we've been in a series called uh, Toxic. And the reason that we've been in the series is because we recognize that there are things that, like the title says, can poison your life, can poison uh, your future, things that will harm you. And so there are good relationships, but there are also toxic relationships we wanted to warn you about. And there are good influences, but there are toxic influences that we wanted to warn you about. And there are good thoughts, but there are toxic thoughts that we wanted to warn you about. Today, we're going to talk about words, toxic words. Words are powerful. They have a way of shaping our identity. Words have a way of transforming our future. Words don't just last for a moment. Some words can last for a lifetime. Some of you know what I'm about to say next, and so you could finish the phrase. It's, sticks and stones may break my bones. Yeah. And while I get why parents say that, they say that to reinforce the child that the words that the other people are saying are not true and can't penetrate, that's not true, is it? Some of those painful things that you've ever experienced in your life have been words. Um, words also have a power to bring joy in life. I can remember. I don't know how young I was. I was super young. I love sharing this story. I've shared it with you before, but it's one of my favorite stories of all my life. I'm, my father was watching in his boxers, I can still remember. He was watching TV and watching uh, reruns of I Love Lucy. And uh, I went and sat next to him, and, um, and the commercial came up. And he turned to me, and he looked to me, and he said, you know what, Edwin? One day you're going to be bigger than me. And I was like, no way, Papi, not bigger than you. And I was like, yeah, you're going to be bigger than me. And you know what? One day you're going to be stronger than me. It's like, no way, Papi, no one's stronger than you. One day, he said again, you'll be smarter than me. I was like, no way, but I won't be smarter than you. Then he left. I'm certain he doesn't remember that. It was one of the most significant moments of my entire life. It was one of the most powerful moments. If heaven feels like anything on this earth, it will feel like that moment. It was powerful. It changed me. It was like it put steel in my spine. It gave me courage. It's, yeah, it was life transforming. But words have the power to do that. And words have not only the power to bless, many of us, though, have experienced words that have wounded, scarred, hurt, maybe from our fathers, maybe from our teachers. Words filled with contempt. Words of cursing or disappointment. Words of mockery, or I think one of the worst is no words at all. We've all experienced moments like that, so we all know firsthand the power of words. Now today, we're not going to speak about the effects that words have had on you. That's a sermon for another day, and it's a worthy sermon, and we should get back to it. 
But today we're going to focus on the words that come from your lips, the communication that you give from your mouth, the kind of toxicity or health that come from your statements. That's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the words that you say in two different ways. One is we're going to ask the question, what do words do? What do words accomplish? I mean, you just said, well, all I did, you know, if you've ever been married, you said, you said this. All I said was, and yet you know that all you said wasn't all you said. There was more to it than that. It had impact. So what do words do? The second thing we're going to do is we're going to ask the question, not only what do words do, but we're going to ask the question, where do words come from? What's the source of words? So we're going to dive right in. It is our tradition. And by the way, let me just say this. I'm so grateful that you, you brought the church into the room. I can't tell you how encouraging it is to see many of you growing, coming to Christ, some of you getting clean and, and being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, and some of you still struggling in your addiction and alcoholism and, and all that other stuff, and yet you still keep coming because you know there's something about Jesus that can transform your life. I'm so delighted about all of you. So listen, I'm excited that you're here. Um, tell all of your friends who gave up after the bike-a-thon, uh, tell them they missed it, um, and then send them to the podcast or the website. But we're going to stand for the reading of God's word because he's awesome. We're going to read Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. Now, we're going to make a connection with another scripture later on in Matthew, but we're going to focus here for a while. So I want us all to read these two verses together, okay? And on a count of three, in a nice, loud voice. One, two, three. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is God's word. And God's people said, Amen. yeah. Now, I know you're reading those scriptures and you're saying to yourself, what on earth was that? Right? Like, what on earth does that mean? Well, this is the reason why I get paid the big bucks. So I could explain this to you. And so Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21 are making an unbelievably important point as to what words do. What they do. So let's look at verse 18. What do words accomplish? Let's see. Well, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Interesting. Your mouth doesn't just say words. Your mouth produces a crop. It's from the fruit of your mouth. There's been something sowed and there has been something reaped. You've produced something. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are 
satisfied. Words have intentions and those intentions are accomplished. The words that you use accomplish something. And they don't just accomplish something in a good way, they can also accomplish something in a bad way. We've all done this, haven't we? Someone is correcting something about us. They're addressing an issue in our lives. And what do we use our words to do? We use our words to deflect. We use our words to throw up smoke screens. We use our words to harm and to hurt. Man, all you have to do is be married for a year to have experienced this. But you don't even have to be married, do you? Someone says something to you, and they, they're, they're trying to address an issue in your life, and your response is, yeah, but what about you? Or, yeah, but, well, you do the same thing, and yeah, but, and our words, listen, your words have an intention, and that intention is fulfilled. And when that fulfillment comes, it satisfies for either good or ill. That means your words are more than the, the sounds that they make. Your words are intentions. Now, we have to ask ourselves in any given exchange, what are our intentions? We never do that. We never press the pause button. So we're, we're feeling attacked. We're feeling offended. We're feeling hurt. We're feeling wounded. And we never pause to go, okay, there is something going to come out of my mouth. What would I like it to do? What's the fruit that I would like to see come out of this? What is the crop that I would like to experience? What is it? You see, you produce fruit. You produce a meal. Your mouth doesn't just produce words. You're, you're also not only producing words. You're a chef producing a plate of food that someone will eat. And you're producing it and they will eat it. Want to or not. They will eat it. And they and you will have to be satisfied with it. Not satisfied in a good way or a bad way. It depends on your motive, really. Your, mo your words have motives. So when you speak, when you speak to your spouse, when you speak on your job with your friends, to the guy in the other lane, what are the intentions of your words? What are the intentions of your words when you speak to your children? I think you would be, I think you would, you would do very well to ask those that you love, what have my words produced in your life? Or in a better way, you can ask, have my words hurt you? Has there ever been a time when my words, maybe in an argument, if you're brave enough, you can have that conversation. Because words do accomplish your intention. Have you ever experienced a moment where you go, where you say something, and it's like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Well, we're going to talk in a little while about where it comes from. But understand, no matter where it comes from, it has fruits. Scary enough, 
your fruit is not only singular, sometimes it becomes a harvest. In other words, spouses, look at me. Sometimes we're in a marriage, and now we're in a marriage for four, 14, 40 years. We're in a marriage for whatever time we're in the marriage, and we notice, oh my goodness, my spouse doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Well, that's, that has, that's actually a very complex subject, but a lot may have to do with the words that you produce, because they're not just a fruit, they produce a harvest. Do you see it in the text? It says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. In other words, continual sowing, continual reaping, continual sowing. You work very hard at the words that you say. And so, if the kids don't want to talk anymore, if the spouse doesn't want to talk anymore, if people are avoiding you, or if you can see the fruit of your words. You can see the harvest of your statements. Words produce something for good or for ill. Look at verse 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Let's say that together on a count of three. The tongue has the power of life and death. Oh my. Oh my. You see, you can kill a relationship or you can resurrect a relationship. You can kill a job or resurrect a job. All with your words. The tongue has the power of life and death. My father's words to me, they were life. I hold on to them to this day. It makes me more, it makes me love God more. Words have the power of life, but they also have the power of death. They can strip down, they can make somebody feel so low. It, the continual words, especially from an authoritative person, it can, it can change the destiny of a person's life. Now, there are two types of people right now who are listening to what I'm saying. You're thinking of the words that you've used that you wish you hadn't, or you're, you're thinking of the regrettable words that you've received. Everything that I'm saying to you is not new. Everything that I'm saying to you is like, yeah, that makes sense. Right, that's true. I knew that. Nothing am I saying to you that's unique. Now, in the past, I might have closed this sermon and said, now guys, say kinder words. Do better. Hey, here's an exercise. Ask the people in your life. Ask them. Have I ever used any harmful words? Take good notes from what they say and then commit, resolve in your heart not to use those words again. That might be good advice, but that's not the solution. The fact is, is that you and I, if we have a problem with cursing, tomorrow we'll have a problem with cursing. Not because we don't want words to do what they do, but because we don't understand where words come from. What do words do? Words produce a harvest. 
words produce the harvest of life or the harvest of death. In your marriage, you are right now using words, sowing seeds of words that will produce death. Right now, in your relationships, you are sowing words that produce life. As a parent, you can experience this. This is the best. I've, I've experienced this recently where uh, I'm, I'm driving with my daughter and we're having a conversation and then she says something that's piercing that I know she learned from me. Meaning that she, she asks a question. She goes, you know, hey, and, it was, and I told you this a few weeks ago. We were driving down and I was like, oh man, I wish I would have done better on Easter and all that jazz. And then she goes, who, who made you, what made you think that that was your responsibility? It's Christ's responsibility. Those are good sown words that have come back to me. And then there are words where um, just a few days after that, because uh, she's driving now, and so i got to watch my words, especially when she's driving and I'm in the car. Because um, she's learning and, you know, you, f- you fear for your life. Anybody, who, anybody ever taught a 16-year-old girl to drive? Anybody? Yeah, then y'all don't know nothing about suffering. Y'all don't know nothing about fear. Yeah, so, um, no, she's actually doing fantastic, really. Um, but, but she said, you know, why are you being so harsh? I said, I didn't know I was being harsh. She goes, you're being really harsh. I was like, well, what am I saying? She goes, it's not in what you're saying. It's in how you're saying it. I was being harsh. I was trying, you know, I was being impatient. Listen, you sow words of life. You sow words of death. What are you sowing, folks? Because words are going to do something. What are you sowing? And those who love it, to finish verse 21, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know what that means? You're going to lie in the bed you make. You go, you, right? Husbands, you make all, you know, you say statements that you think will help your wife get back in shape after she had the kid. And you tell her statements like that. And you know what? It's no wonder she doesn't want to be touched by you. Because your words, you're going to love. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be filled with what happens. You're sowing something. You're producing something. So that's what words do. Words are fruit that create a harvest of life and death. And that is what your life will eat from. That's what words do. That is what your life will, be, will have to be satisfied with because it's all the fruit that you've sown. But now we're going to move to another question. Not do what do words do? And are we clear on what words do? Are we okay? Now we're going to ask, where do words come from? We'll see if we can put it all together. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees. And he's talking to them. Uh, and he's, boy, he's, he's not, he's using strong words. Full of love for sure, but they are strong. You don't have to stand for these. I'll just read them to you. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. 
Here's what Jesus says. And remember, now we're looking at the question of where do words come from? Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man produces good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Okay, let's take a moment to look at that last verse, because that can cause a lot of confusion. And then we're going to get to exactly where do words come from. Verse 37 says, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now let me ask you a quick test, pop quiz. Okay, are we saved by Jesus plus our words? No, we're saved by Jesus. Isn't that true? I'm grateful you got that answer right, because I would want to kill myself if you if you'd have said, yeah, it's words and Jesus. Okay, but wait up. These are the words of Jesus, and he's saying something here. He says, by the words, you're acquitted by the words, you're condemned. What is Jesus saying? Well, you have to connect it to the verse that speaks about, he speaks about earlier, but let me just make it very clear just so we can make it plain. Jesus is saying that your words not only produce a fruit, your words reveal. They reveal whether you have life or whether you have death. I know that some of you don't like that idea. Some of you would like to think that, oh no, it's just about my relationship with Jesus and that your relationship with Jesus is somehow disconnected from your relationship with others. That is not true. Your relationship with others is reflective of your relationship with Jesus. Other people feel the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying that your words, they reflect something. By your words, you'll be acquitted. By your words, you'll be condemned. By your words, you prove something. Your words are on trial. And they prove something to the jury of this world that you're in Christ and for Christ or that you're not in Christ at all. And I don't care how many times you say amen. I don't care how many times you say thank you, Jesus. I don't care how many times you hang out with your Christian friends and wear your Christian clothing or eat your Christian cookies. I don't care if you wear a ton of makeup or no makeup at all. I don't care if you have a, a, a clothing that covers you from the chin to your toes that does not say if you're in Christ as much. It doesn't give as much evidence as your words. Where do your words come from, though? Jesus says it. He says, make a tree good and, a fruit, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit, which is basically what he says at the end. You brood of vipers, speaking to the teachers. By the way, this ki these kinds of scriptures are super piercing to pastors and teachers. The reason that they're piercing, because he's speaking directly to religious leaders. Like you and I are going to learn something here, but he's speaking to guys like me. And he's saying, 
you bunch of snakes. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's it. That's it. Where do your words come from? They come from the overflow of the heart. Your mouth can only speak what your heart is full of. Have your heart full of greed. And your mouth will say things, will lie, will cheat, will coerce. Your mouth will condemn others for the very same thing that you do and excuse yourself. Your words are nothing more than the overflow of your heart. Now, we have to take a moment here because we have to ask, what on earth is the heart? Well, when the Bible talks about the heart, the Bible is not speaking of the muscle that is in your chest that pumps your blood. You understand this, right? When the Bible speaks about your heart, the Bible is speaking about where the, the, the seat of your affections, the, the source of your hopes and your dreams, the hope that you have in your life. That's what the Bible speaks about when it speaks about your heart. So out of the overflow of your affections, out of the overflow of your hope in life, out of the overflow of the thing that you look to for salvation, that's what your mouth will speak. Because out of the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. So here's the thing. This week, no matter what I say up here right now, this week you're going to blow it with your words. You're going to blow it with your words. Do you have any doubt about that? You shouldn't. Because this week, in your marriage, at your work, so we go, well, what are we going to do? Good night, right? Like we don't want to, right? I hope that at this point you see words produce something. They have a fruit. That fruit provide, uh, creates a harvest. And that harvest is either life or death. And it comes back to you, so you're going to be filled with it. You're going to be satisfied with it. I hope we've gotten that so far. And then I hope we see that the source of the words that we say are no more than a mirror reflection of what's filling our heart, our affection. So here's what happens. Have you ever had a friend? Let me give you a couple of illustrations of this last thing, and then we'll try to put it together. Have you ever had a friend who um, you go, why are you still in this job? You're, you're, you're a marketable person. You can do other things. Why don't you apply for other jobs? And they go, well, you know what? You know, I just, I'm grateful to be, and they, they'll use all sorts of excuses on why they need to be at this job that's no good for them, doesn't help them to grow in Christ, takes them away from congregating with the believers, keeps them from reading the word. They're like, oh, you know, I'm just lucky to have a job and all that other stuff. But what's the real deal? The real thing is that they don't believe that Christ provides for them and that Christ will give them opportunity in other places. What they believe is that this job is the provision for them. Their, their whole hope for financial stability is found in that job. 
Now, I'm not telling anybody here that they need to quit their job today or anything like that. That's something that you need to talk about with Jesus. But what I am saying, and, and by the way, if you're going to quit your job, it's not a bad idea to put out your resume and have another job to go to first, um, especially if you have a family. But what I am saying is that your words, they, your heart rather, influences the words that you say. Your heart influences the things that you do. You go to another friend and you say, you know, why are you still with that person? And they go, but, but, but I love them and they love me. And, and, and your response is, but didn't you get the, you know, didn't you hear that they were unfaithful? Didn't you know that they were, and they treat you so badly every time I see you with them? You know, they just speak to you horribly and treat you badly and undermine you and and, and that friend says something like this, oh, but you don't understand. You don't know them like I know them. And you can't make sense of their words because you're like, you're crazy. This is a toxic relationship. There's no way you should be in that relationship. But their words are defensive and their words are saying this. Here's what they're really saying. With their words, they're proving the truth is, is that this person saves me. They save me from being lonely they save me from feeling ugly. They save me from feeling fat and unattractive. They save me. And so I'm willing to compromise my morals. I'm willing to compromise good judgment. I'm willing to compromise everything because Jesus is not my savior. This person is my savior. You see, that's the overflow of their heart. The mouth speaks. Now it makes sense. What was once crazy now makes perfect sense sense. What is filling your heart? What other than Jesus is competing for your affections? If you're like me, it's accomplishment. I, I just, I want to see more people come to Christ. And I don't know if I, I I'm pretty sure that my, not all my motives are pure about that. I like to tell myself that the reason that I want to see people come to Christ is because I want a, uh, a full heaven. I want a lot of people to know Jesus, the joy of Christ, and salvation and heaven. But I'm pretty sure there's a part of me that wants my name in lights. I'm pretty sure. But what fills your heart? Just in case you're distracted about my heart, what fills yours? Maybe you can take this mic and tell the rest of us. What fills your heart? Okay. For those who are listening on the podcast or on the, uh, the website, what we have is a, uh, I don't know, it's an image of a heart, right? It's the traditional image of a heart. And I have things inside the heart that I'm going to pull out. And the first is the first fruit, a lemon. Is your heart full of lemons? <laughs> Is the crop that you produce bitter? What's the overflow of your heart? Do you have a bitter heart? Is forgiveness tough? Yeah. Is, 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 is letting go the harms and the hurts of the past, is that too much? Do the words that you use prove that your heart is like a lemon? 
See, because your words are proving something. And I need you to know that. I need you to feel and know that. Because throughout this week, as you blow it, as you mess up on the job, as you mess up with your spouse, as you use words that you shouldn't be using, I want you to take a step back. And rather than going, oh, I didn't mean that, or that's not like me, I want you to say, Jesus, what are you trying to show me about my heart? Is it full of bitterness? Are your words full of bitterness? Maybe people have harmed you in ways that you can't forgive and you're sour. And you don't know how to be any other way. In fact, if you might be here and you're the only one in your life who doesn't know that you're bitter, you just think that's the way life is supposed to be. And so there's no wonder that the words that you use are sour. There's no wonder that the words that you use are bitter. There's no wonder that the words that you use alienate the people around you and make you so so lonely. But if bitter words are coming out of your mouth, you can take a step back and say, Jesus, here's the truth about me. The truth about me is that I love hating them more than I love your forgiveness. I love holding on to resentments more than I love holding on to your mercy. And so, Lord, would you remind me about how much you've forgiven me and mercy you've given to me and overflow something beautiful out of my life. And not this bitterness that's consumed me. It's revealing something. It's producing a crop. What is it? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're not bitter. Maybe, maybe you're muy caliente with your palabras, right? <laughs> that is my white interpretation, my white version of saying muy caliente, la palabras. So um, maybe you're like a... Uh, uh, hot pepper. Man, and you just, and you walk around going, listen, I, all I, listen, I'm just being honest. And you're not being honest at all. <laughs> you're being coarse and cruel and crude. You're being nasty. You, sh- you literally move people out of your life. But maybe, listen, maybe the reason that your words are such fire Maybe, I don't know. There's a thousand reasons, but maybe one of them could be that you were hurt as a child and you found out quickly that you could use your words as a defense mechanism. So you don't want to let anybody too close. You, you don't want to let anybody in. So you use words like a flamethrower. And you burn everyone up around you. tell you. If this week you find yourself throwing fire out of your mouth, you can take a step back. Remember, Satan wants you to go, and you call yourself a Christian, and you go, I don't want you to fall into that trap. I want you to take a step back and go, Jesus, this is revealing something. This, this, this crop, is re- this is revealing something. And I want you to go, Jesus, okay, here's the truth about me. Here's the truth about me. I don't believe that you can protect me 
I believe that my foul words can protect me, my nasty comments, my terrible statements. I believe that that protects me. But Lord, would you remind me that not only would you take a bullet from me, but you took three nails? Would you remind me, Lord, that not only would you take a beating from me, but that you did take a beating from me? Would you remind me, Lord, that not only would you forgive my punishment, but you would pay the penalty for my punishment with your very life? That I don't need to protect me. You do a great job. Are your words like fire? I don't know why I said that. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Listen. Your heart in moments like that, is raising its hand going, pick me, pick me. I know why you said that. Because Jesus is not on the throne. In that moment, Jesus is not on the throne of your heart. Something else is. Self-preservation, control, someone else's approval. Something else is on the throne of your heart. Toxic. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe what's in your heart is like an apple. It's sweet, a red delicious. And you just want people to like you. So you never tell them the truth. You just say kind word, sweet word after sweet word, and you will hold your friend's hand to the gallows. Watch them destroy their lives. And you never get the idea of speak the truth in love. You just go speak in love. Not realizing that if there's no truth in love, that there's no love. So that no matter what your people do, no matter what they do to harm you, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's not that bad. You minimize. You just, you're, you're sweet. You're sweet, but you're not sweet because Jesus has made your words sweet. You're sweet because you just want people to like you. you, want to, you you're afraid of rocking the boat. You don't want to confront. And I want you, when this week you're saying things that are not true but that, are sure, that sure are sweet, I want you to take a step back. And I want you to pray. I say, Jesus, here's the truth about me. The truth about me is that I care more about what others think about me than what you think about me. That I want their approval more than I want your approval. And so I'll lie to them and even to myself, saying it's no big deal. Lord, would you remind me that you, I have the approval of God himself through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Would you remind me of that? Would you remind me, Lord, that I can... Speak beautiful, kind, sweet words that are true. I don't know what your heart is full of, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I promise you, your heart is producing a crop. It's producing something. So, how do you change your heart? I hope you get what I'm saying so far. You can't. You can't change your heart. But the good news is, it's not your job to change your heart. 
It's Jesus' job to change your heart. So what I want you to go this week, now remember what I said? This week you're going to blow it in your words. Everybody who's going to blow it with their words, raise your hand. Go ahead. And the rest of y'all align. I know. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going to blow it with your words. We're all going to blow it. Right. Watch this. Here's what's going to happen. Before today is over, and because I spend my day, the rest of my day with my family, I'm going to blow it with my family. And they're going to go, didn't you just preach on this? I'm going to go, oh gosh, yeah. So I'm letting them know up front, right? Here's, here's the truth about me. It's not what, at that point, the words that I use, it's about asking Jesus, what was filling my heart so much that I couldn't help but overflow those words. It's a heart issue. It's an issue of your heart. What do you love so much? What do you love so much? What do you want to protect so badly? It's a heart issue. So this week, when you blow it, and you're going to blow it, when you blow it, I want you to take a moment, not to beat yourself up. Oh, you're so stupid. How could you say that? Oh, my gosh, where did that come from? Forget that. That's all old. That's all nasty. You're not going to get anywhere. It's a waste of time. What I want you to do this week is I simply want you to go, Jesus, I want you to pray. Jesus, where did that come from? And basically, Jesus is going to say something like, well, why did you say that? Because I felt offended. Why did you feel offended? Because they were lying about me. Why does that offend you? Because my reputation is important to me. Why is your reputation important to me? And you go deeper and you find out, oh, I want people to think about me in a particular way. And when they don't, I get all sorts of angry and violent. Oh, oh, now I get it. It's because I want to be worshipped. And I don't want to worship you. Okay. I'm trying to give you as many examples as I can, but I can't do this forever, so here's the deal. <laughs> I want you to, as you go throughout this week, ask Jesus. He'll make it plain. You don't need Pastor Edwin. Good night. Pastor Edwin's nothing. What you need is Jesus. You need Jesus. Me too. So let's run to him.